0: Welcome to Authority Optional. Today we're going to talk about peers seeking advice. This can be a very good thing. It can also be a not-so-great thing. We're going to give you two sides to the coin. Uh, One is genuine interest, and the other is just looking for the cheat. We're going to help you navigate either one, talk about the pros and cons for both. Enjoy the show.
1: (laughs) Can we leave that in before the music actually starts? That's awesome. Yeah, of course. This episode, technically seven, six. This is seven. So I, I think we have to start off today with two things. Which for those of you that can't see us, there, there's an inside joke there that it'll come out
0: at it'll some come point out eventually. Yeah, we'll show you.
1: Uh, we went live with our first episode yesterday. So yay us! Minute work clap.
0: We've had a a series. Um, we did kind of a leadership beginning series one through six. Seven is we're kind of breaking out and doing different topics. And then uh, if you've been listening to everything, you'll know that by now we're actually looking for callers. So that is still on its way and we're going to do that. But in the meantime, we're going to release them, you know, once a week, I think is the cadence that we're looking for. And so, yeah, as of this official today, not when you actually listen to this podcast, by the time you listen to this podcast, if you're going to be almost
1: Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
0: If you've been listening chronologically... This will be far, like seven weeks later, I guess, <laughs> technically. So today we're talking about when peers seek advice. In theory, if you've been following along and trying to implement all the things that we've been talking about so far, then you'll, you should be seeing some success. Your team should be generating some pretty impressive results. You're building a culture that some might even consider to be enviable in a healthy way, hopefully. And then you might have a peer, and this is especially if you work in a corporate environment. Somebody will come along and go, "How are you doing? What you do?"
1: Or your manager may be going, "How are you? How are you doing this? This is fantastic."
0: Hopefully, your manager has been in the loop the whole time. But yeah, that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> how the hell are you getting this done? I mentioned in the intro, there's two sides to this, so we're gonna call them side A and side B. The first one, side A, is they're genuinely curious.
1: They're they're seeing the connection. Not just with you and your team or the success of your numbers on a page, but they're recognizing the the essence. They're probably seeing people be more outspoken on the floor. They may be mentoring other people on other teams and and you're actually experiencing the culture in these little pockets. And it creates curiosity because we all want to have the belief in something belong to something that that's you know, working and healthy and, and it's amazing when you do something that's non-toxic, it's got a lot of gravity.
0: Yes. And it's, it's obvious, it's obvious. Like you can see it. We used to work in a building with multiple floors. There were three, I believe in total. We were on the third floor on the second floor was a related, but not the same department. They did a very similar job, but not quite the same job. Ours was a version of an escalated job. So, They took sort of general banking calls, and then our floor took online banking calls when this whole thing started. And we heard many more times than once there was a different feel, literally walking up a floor, and I use literally, meaning literally, not figuratively, people would say, it actually feels different when I walk through the door and into this cubicle maze. I can feel it on my skin. I can sense that there is a different environment up here, and it was always more positive positive.
1: Yeah, the the metaphysical thing we talked about 2 or 3 weeks ago where really the the belief in the energy and those vibrations it, it absolutely it's palpable.
0: If if anybody's doing their job, if anybody's has two brain cells rubbed together, you're going to get questions, and that's a good thing. However, I will say this. The downside, at least in my experience, I'm not going to I'm not going to pin every big corporation with BDC because I don't technically know. I just have a sense and I feel like I have a pretty good idea of, but let's put that aside and just say for the company that I worked for, unfortunately I did not experience a lot of side A. I did not experience a lot of genuine interest in what I was doing. That's not to say none. I did of course experience some, but genuine interest is Hey, listen, it looks like you're doing something different. Can I ask you what you're doing? Cause I, I mean, ostensibly they'd like to emulate it a little bit. I, that that's hopefully what you're getting from them is, is there anything you're doing that I could duplicate So what we're going to talk about first is when you get this, because some people, and I'm going to use myself as an example again, because that's the easiest way. Some people are very guarded. When you come across something that works really well, you want to keep it close to the vest. You don't want to share this with your competitors, which are often your peers, because if you're all teams doing the same kind of job, you are kind of each other's competition. That's it's easier to look at them than look outside of your own company. And often your company is not necessarily telling you what's happening granularly. It's hard to say for me. You know, you're, you're going to hear about how you're doing perform in these performance metrics against your other people in the same company, in the same job doing these performance metrics. Right. I'm going to tell you using my own experience, why I think you should give it up, give up the goods. If somebody comes asking, how do you do this? Tell them there's a couple of in my opinion, there's a couple of really good reasons to do this. And then I'm going to ask you to, you know, do you have experiences with this? Have somebody has, do you have good experiences of people coming to you and going genuinely, how do you do this? I would like to, I would like to know. So my, my phases, I had a series of steps that I went through to get to the point where I just gave up the goods whenever somebody asked me. My first stage was hell no. I, I would, I would find some quick, summary way that wasn't lying, but was a way to communicate to them. I'm not really interested in telling you everything.
1: Why? Why was that? What was the instinct? Was it your competition or was it not being sure of how to articulate it that made you do that? What what was it?
0: I, You know what? Now that you ask that, it's probably a little bit of both, but it was definitely way heavier in the competition phase. Like I discovered this. I went and read books and did research and had mentors and put all these pieces together Go get your ass to work I that's what I did to figure this out, so in initially, when I was stingy, competitive, and if I'm being honest, probably a little bit of well, I don't actually know how to say this exactly um that was step one. step two was I'll tell them as long as they come to me, and I fortunately had a manager at the time that educated me that that is not a great way to go through life if you want to help. If you want to be helpful, which means you're going to be more valuable to the company. You're, you're going to spread your value to other people. And ideally, if you think your ideas are so great, don't you want them to spread? And there's a bigger part of this that's coming in a minute. So that was, that was my next phase is, you know, all right, I'll give it up, but only if they come to me. And then the third phase was, I'm going to go to them and offer whatever they, you know, just to see if they want it. And some people, some people were interested, but my mentality was, they can have what I have, but they can't do what I do. This one, I'm gonna just gonna say it right out, is the most difficult to walk away from, because it is true. You can give all of the stuff we're talking about to anybody. What Josh and I have done with Teams, you can anybody can try this stuff, because you have all of the data, you have all of the information, you have the techniques. And especially if you, know, if you ever hire us as consultants, you're gonna get the details of exactly how we pulled this off. You can have what we have. We're going to give it freely. That doesn't mean you can do what we do. That's just a fact. It's, it doesn't mean that you can do what we do. It also doesn't mean that you can't. That's the part that I had to learn.
1: Yeah. It's the, there's, there's time in and there's process. And I feel like learning the lessons early on and having the failures, like we talked about last week and not being a bad thing, failing fast and getting to the point where you understand what will and won't work for people. It is a process. If you think that you're going to listen to five or six podcasts and be like, I've got the method and you're going to go out and implement it. You're going to have 15 people that are reporting to you that are going to spin it and give their little niche and push and the nuance where you have to adapt in order to make things work. Yeah, so even even though the the basal methods are really based in organizational psychology, individual psychology, the way people operate and want to have a sense of trust and belonging, those are all absolutely solid. And it's different for every single person. And yep. if you're lucky, you'll have three or four that do it one way, and you'll have two or three that do it another, and you have to put in the time to learn your people.
0: The part that's really difficult to to figure out, like the last piece is essentially adapting to the individuality of humanity. So yeah. that's that's something that's very difficult to teach. The final phase where I landed was just, just be generous, especially if somebody's asking. And if they're not asking you can go to them and ask if there's anything they want help with or need help with and then get get a conversation started and hopefully be able to do this. There's a couple of reasons that you want to do this though. Two reasons specifically that you're going to want to be generous. Is number 1 is just acknowledge that there's plenty of success to go around. You know what? I just invented a third reason. So one is just be generous <laughs> for the sake of being generous. There's plenty of success to go around. Number 2, if you're kind of a competitive person, if you're even remotely competitive, this is going to resonate with you. If you help everybody around you get better, you will be pushed to get even better than you were. If you create your own competition, you will only get better. I never discovered a situation where I got complacent. I helped every other people do what I do. And then I sat back and went, well, I guess they're all better than me now. That's not how it works. If you're yeah. any version of competitive, you're going to go, well, damn, now... <laughs> Now I gotta step up my game. I gotta find something new to add here. I gotta I gotta tweak and and adjust and move these things around until I'm I cause I wanna stay ahead. There's a reason that I'm ahead. And then the third reason is and this you're just gonna to have to take our word for it if you aren't experiencing this. You want good culture to spread. Josh and I specifically from our last work experiences have specific stories that we can relate where we can create as big a culture. I I had a 200 person team. That's not massive in terms of, in fact, that's not even big at all in terms of like a giant company, but for middle management, that's a sizable group. And I had 10 teams and in 200 people, we had spread the culture. That's a, that's larger than what we would normally, that, that, that's a larger group than we would normally do 150, according to Simon Sinek and some other anthropological Jesus, anthropological experts would say 150 is about the size tribe. There's plenty
1: of research on that.
0: And we got to a 200 person group and the culture stuck. So even though we got outside of that and what's normal for humans, we made it work. So you wanted to spread because now we had an entire floor, almost an entire floor.
1: Well, and and I think that works because uh, you as the manager of 10 leaders created or allowed us to help create that culture that worked for us. But then we each had 15 people to 20 people that we were responsible for. And it makes it easy because, you know, these culture and layers, you know, you could you could have a culture of 500 or a thousand, but you have to have leadership and the next level of management, middle managers, managing frontline employees and creating those situations for psychological safety, for everything to roll backwards and and work. Yeah. So this is something that I think is interesting. We're we're still in two different places on this. I aspire to be just generous. I'm still so eager in some instances that I forget to ask permission because people will be like, "Hey, you know, your team's doing some amazing things and I will volunteer." You know, the culture is is one of the core pieces of that and I want that culture to spread and I have to slow down and and Other people are not ready. They are not ready to talk about their failures. They are not ready to be open. They are not ready to be vulnerable. They've been doing it a certain way for, in some cases, decades.
0: Yeah, the initial response to you're doing really well is thank you.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) so if we were to back up to where we're both working for this incredibly large bank, we have this this situation where I'm learning this culture and I want it to spread like fire you have context. And we're going to talk about this a little bit with mentoring peers um, kind of being next level, which is where this is going. But, you know, I have essentially the the context and control over the people who work for me. Right. Remembering to ask for permission because change is difficult in any circumstance. And if you don't ask them and get the permission and guide them through that emotional door we've talked about, you're just telling them things. And they're like, yeah, right. I can't I can't do that. I'm not you. Right. Mm-hmm. And you've already alluded to with your comment when I came into your organization, you were slightly below generous and it was, you know, this is incredible, man. Are you are you sharing this with other people? And I remember your response was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Some people asked me, you know, what are you doing? Your team seems really engaged. You're number one in the world. Literally out of and 50 teams, I think our lowest rank was somewhere around twenty one or twenty two and we were all in the top 20. Yeah, Yeah. Our 10 managers, we were in the top 20 as a group. And so, so your, your piece of the business was number one, your response blew my mind, which was, yeah, they, they asked me, I went ahead and shared with them and they were all like, yeah, no, like, what are you really doing? Yep. You told them the truth and it was so basal and vulnerable and honest and transparent. They thought you were lying to them Mm -hmm. to actually build trust, actually invest in people, develop them, give them skills, give them opportunities, get them off the phones and let them lead and build up their own skill set. No, really, what are you doing? Because they're so used to the frickin stick versus the carrot that they don't even understand the idea of development.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of brainwashing that happens in corporate America, and a lot of the people that I worked with had been there a lot longer than I had, and they had worked for people who had been there for centuries, it felt like. And so by the time I got to a particular level and that, that peer group came to me, they had all been brainwashed, and so I didn't know what I didn't know. Quick aside, Orson Welles was asked at one point, how did you create Citizen Kane? His response was, we didn't know what we didn't know. I mean, he extrapolated. He had more to say about it, but he said nobody was around to tell us what we couldn't do. I had a cameraman that kind of knew some pieces of what we couldn't do. He was willing to, to try. He was willing to go out on his own and, and do weird shit. And I had no idea. I didn't have a form of training. I didn't know what was wrong or right or what wasn't capable. And so I just asked him to do all of this crazy stuff. And he was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And all of a sudden I made Citizen Kane. That's exactly what kind of leader I was. I didn't go into it with any kind of corporate knowledge. or I came from retail, sling, and freight. There was some transition periods of going through sales, like selling cars and yellow page ads, and those are stories on their own. But there was nothing I did that refined a technique to be a leader. When I came to corporate America, I knew jack and or shit about leading large groups of people, but I knew that I wanted to do it. And so I was you were on a learning journey. <laughs> I was on a learning journey. And pardon me for saying, I, I I pulled a little bit of an Orson Welles because I didn't know. It. I'm not saying I made a Citizen Kane of a of a team, but I mean, the numbers spoke for themselves.
1: Kind of coming into an established culture, um, which I had the both fortunate and I don't want to say unfortunate. It it you know, cultures are part of how we create normalcy for ourselves. And so, uh, you know, we've talked at length, uh, what kind of an environment do you want to be in every day? Mm-hmm. And so coming into my previous role with the state of Idaho, I could see things because I'd done them before <laughs> where there's a very clear path here for me. I, I can see where I'm going to take the ball. I know where the gaps are going to be. I know exactly where I'm going to turn on the speed and run around to end and work Gonna, you know, I'm using sports analogies. I don't know, I don't ever do that. But that whole idea of seeing that clear path to the other end, but then you have all of these individuals that were in that culture and that couldn't see how that could work simply because they hadn't done it before. And so you're you're gonna run into obstacle obstacles even when someone's genuinely interested, where your skill set and their skill set and this is where we're going to get into mentorship of peers at the at the end of this. Mm. You've done it already and you're in process and they come to you and they're like, how are you doing this? And it's like, well, you know, if you're not sure, you know, maybe you should be journaling. If you're mentoring other people and you're mentoring managers or the people who work for you, you will have a much more clear perspective on how you are doing what you are doing. That's why this is next level. It's, it's something where I think this is where we would transition to. You know, spreading good culture is fantastic. When somebody comes to you, don't be prepared to just tell them what your steps were. Be prepared to actually sit down and take time.
0: We're going to get to that. I have a question for you. So do you have experiences either with your most recent job in the state or when we were working together where peers came to you and you got the general sense that they were indeed interested, not just looking for Absolutely. Okay. What was the result? Don't tell me how you did it, but what was the result of you sharing with them what you do?
1: Unique circumstances. I had the fortune with working with you. The people that were asking were my peers, and we had an amazing culture. I came into a culture that was still on its way up and incredibly strong, and it probably took a year and a half to two years to get established, understand really the role
0: and humans and... Well, something to be clear, I, this, uh, there's been a couple of times where you've mentioned the kind of time frame about us getting to a strong culture. We were a strong culture before you got there. And I'm not saying this to be adversarial. I'm saying it to make a point that we were constantly evolving constantly by the time the whole thing, by the time everybody started getting laid off, cause that was the situation that we were in. It was stronger than ever. There wasn't a situation where we got to year seven and for the last three years, well, you know, We're about as strong as we're going to get. No, it's funny. It it continued to grow and get stronger.
1: I I think what it really was is it was easy to share in that environment because I knew that they were actually invested. They were supporting me in in ways where I had weaknesses or or failures where they had a skill set and they could teach me. This was just I was excited to reciprocate. Yes, I actually have something I can finally, after learning the ropes and learning the pieces Mm. and learning the systems, something that I can give back. Awesome. This whole idea uh, that that's kind of making rounds about imposter syndrome, even with this podcast, there is nobody out of the 10 that couldn't be sitting in this chair And I I think one of the things that put me in the chair is that I'm just more verbose than almost everybody else that you you work with. That's what makes us work. The entire group. Could could sit in this chair, and it it'll be really interesting as we move through the podcast in the future. I absolutely can see any of those individuals who now they ran ran businesses previous. They're running businesses now. They've started their own business. They've been operational managers for other people, where they've been in charge of dozens of individuals. This incredibly capable group. So this is my way of uh, of attaching to imposter syndrome. And if they're listening, just I mean. What an incredible group to grow in for four and a half, almost five years. And that basal of trust uh, to where, yeah, you get to the point where it's like, hey, you guys are kicking butt at this metric or this thing or somebody gave a presentation to my team because, you know, they're doing some leadership function. And how did you get them to this point? And having those conversations and being able to give back and that give and take For me, that's a huge piece of it, because with strengths like communication and connectedness and development, those are the reasons why I showed up to work every day, regardless of you know good day, bad day. It doesn't matter. I get to do things that I like every single day and then getting the opportunity to share those. So, again, uh, I'll circle back to ask for permission if they really you know, if they want to know what's going on, it's not going to be short for me. It it was literally like, Hey, you know what? It's there's, there's not something I can tell you in 30 seconds of what we're doing. Let's schedule some time. Let's sit down and start mentoring.
0: Yeah. So that's, that takes us, uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but that's actually a nice segue into side B side B of when somebody comes to ask you, what are you doing? And you get the sense pretty quickly that really what they're looking for is the cheat code.
1: Because they're like, you're lying. That's not what you're really doing. No, really, man. You can't even tell us. Tell us what you're really doing.
0: Yes. (laughs) There's a couple of examples of how you can tell when somebody is really just looking for the cheat code. I remember telling somebody specifically, I focus on relationships. I trust implicitly. I get out of their way. And the response was, well, I do all those things. You already know this conversation needs to be over. If they think they're doing what you're doing, why the hell are they coming and talking to you then? And if you you say these are the things I'm doing and they think they're doing things, the right response is not, oh, well, I do those things. The right response is maybe you're doing those things differently than I am doing them because I think I'm doing those things. But clearly I'm doing them differently and maybe there's some small adjustments I can make. Would you be willing to share, you know, can we swap some stories, swap, can we swap some stories <laughs> and some examples and see if we can get to the bottom of how I'm doing things a little bit differently than you. And maybe I can level up my game. If that's not their response, get out of that meeting. Like just close them and go, like, Oh, you're doing everything I'm doing. You know what? I guess I don't know what to tell you. I guess I'm lucky, I guess. And then just move on with your life. Cause they're not actually interested. And this will be probably one of my, my big pieces of advice for this episode <laughs> If you get the sense that they are there for the cheat code, dismiss yourself as soon as possible. Stop wasting your time.
1: My harmony is kicking in in a big way right now. Go. For, go <laughs> Hit this me back. May, this may be our first actual disagreement.
0: Hit me back, brother.
1: Um, if you are trying to build this culture and meeting people where they're at, I don't think you can just be like, oh, nope, never mind, and walk away. I think you owe it to them to ask the really awkward question of, are you? Do you really, do you really have their trust and start asking those questions? What
0: makes you think you have their trust? Because I feel pretty confident that all of my people, including me, would all step in front of a bus for each other. Figuratively speaking, would your people do that? Would your people take the proverbial bullet for you? And would you do that for them? Most managers who care about their people would say, yeah, I, you know, I would stand in front of an obstacle for them. And they should say that. They know that on some level, you should say that. That's the right thing to say if you are in charge of people. But would they? Yeah. And do you have examples of that? That that's another deep dive question. Yeah.
1: And those those awkward questions kind of for me it's the bridge, right? Because having harmony in my top 5, very much wanting to help and wanting to see their side of it. I'm constantly looking at things from multiple angles, sometimes to my detriment, right? Sure. But when somebody says, "Well, well, you know, we all trust each other. You probably have the conversations or the stories or the anecdotes where people are gossiping or talking without somebody in the room. And I feel you certainly within the group, if we're talking about the idea of, you know, Spartans and shields and my shield isn't for me, it's for the person next to me. Mm. I have had those instances on the floor where somebody will come up and say things like, you know, God, I, somebody, so-and-so is so lucky that their numbers are where they're at because we're all in blah, blah, blah. And, and I've had to step in and say, actually, maybe you should talk to them about what they're doing because they're actively coaching and developing in a very specific way. I think you can do it too, but I don't really think you should be talking about them or your beautiful, you know, Oh, well, if you're struggling with something that somebody is doing, you know, what did they say when you talked to them about it? Oh, I haven't talked to them about it. Oh. And then the next question immediately is like, are are you going to? No. Well, when yeah, are I you suppose. To? No, well, that's yeah. <laughs> no, we're talking about cultural differences, right? right? We can skip ahead to immediately. Well, have you talked to them? No. Well, when, when are you, you going, going to? to? Yeah. When you don't have that relationship and it's like, have you talked to them? No, I haven't. It's like, are are you willing to? I think it really hits people in the gut when you stop gossip and say things like, I'm not really willing to have this conversation if you're not willing to go put work in. Yeah.
0: When you're encountering people who are looking for the cheat... You know what? Let me let me chicken walk just for a second. I'm going to give you an example and I'm going to use some fake names from uh, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. <laughs> except I'm going to reverse the leadership. Jack was the guy in charge and Chip and Dale were the, his two managers. For the sake of this example, it should be noted that Chip and Dale were in fact my peers. So the person who was actually asking me, how do I do this, was Jack, who was a level above me. He was swallowing some humble pie, and was coming down a level, I mean, and this is a big deal in corporate. If you work in a big corporate company, you understand this can be a big deal for people. It shouldn't be, because we're all humans, and we all wipe our ass the heaven, same way.
1: Heaven forbid somebody who works for you is better at something than you are. Yeah,
0: oh my God. Like
1: You'd ask them to come and fix your car if they knew how to do it, but you won't ask them vulnerably for some advice on psychological you know, safety in the workplace. But. Yeah,
0: that's, that's <laughs> pearl-clutching tragedy. So Jack came to me and asked... You know what are you doing? And I told him I implicit. And I I asked him a couple questions leading up to like, do you trust your people? And he said, yeah, I trust them implicitly. And I said, do you do you focus on communication relationships? Like, yeah. And I said, well, then are are you kind of brutally honest? Do you have that as part of your culture? Like, absolutely. Like, do you really? Because I'm telling you the things that I'm doing. Here's the here's the crux of this. I had actually gone and helped. His site. This guy was across the country, and I had been sent to help his site because I had some skills, even as a level below the one I was at. And I had worked with Chip and Dale when I was even a level below them. And I had worked with all of their supervisors because at the time that's what I was. So I had a team of sole contributors reporting directly to me. I was kicking everyone's ass on the charts. And one of the big regional bosses said, we're going to send you across the country to somebody else in my region. And so you can teach them how to do things. So I was tasked with teaching three people who were between the three of them, two levels above me, how to do what I was doing, which was an impossible task. One of them will say, chip was really open to stuff. And I think he made some changes. Dale, not so open. Chip was vulnerable. Chip was vulnerable. He was a nice guy. He was, he was willing to guy. take on, on interested. new information. So I had already actually worked with Jack's team previous to this conversation. One of the things I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt is that he had no idea what was going on in his organization when he was like, we do all those things. I was like, no, you don't. Cause I've talked to every single one of your supervisors back when I was a supervisor and you absolutely do not have trust. But how do you tell somebody that when they're just there for the cheat code? You can't tell somebody, listen, man, I've been there. I've been in your site. I know I've talked to all those people and I know exactly how they feel. And trust is 100% not there. Yeah. I know it directly is I'm not, I'm not speculating because you're not getting the results. I've seen it.
1: I feel the need to clarify something. The, the vocabulary that we've talked about beforehand when we talk about trust the 10 individuals that I worked with on your team, there's not a single one of them, regardless of our views on anything, where if it hit the fan, I couldn't take my kid and be like, will you watch my kid for 10 minutes? I have an emergency. Every single one of them, my, my kid would probably be more resilient and have more grit coming out of it on the back end, because that that's the trust level that we're talking about, where When things are bad or when you need to leave or when you need to have an actual vacation, that somebody will step in and they will do the work and they will put in the time and they will make sure that things are taken care of. That's the trust we're talking about. We're not talking about, oh, yeah, they're going to show up tomorrow. We're talking about literally like I could leave with my kids with them in an emergency and my kid will be. Probably better off than he was when I left him. That's that's a
0: powerful statement.
1: And that's because we took the time to get to know one another. If you're out there and you're listening to this, guys, we really should have a reunion. Yeah.
0: Well, and there's a lot of things that went into that. We've talked about some of it. We'll get into more of it as we start to take phone calls. Part of it is having a common language. One of the things that we were super focused on, one of our principles was leave it better than you found it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I always said about imagine a world where everybody's leaving it better than you found it. You would loan everything you own to somebody else if you knew they were going to leave it better than you found it. Please borrow my house. Yeah. It'll be cleaner when than when I gave it to you. We sidetrack a little bit. What's happening is somebody sees that what you're doing is working because generally companies broadcast performance metrics. So everybody can just look at them and see who's at the top. They come and talk to you. You get that feeling. Josh and I are not quite simpatico on how much of, uh, of the cheat codes seeking <laughs> that you should
1: tolerate. Take the high road every time. <laughs> I agree
0: with that. I do also think that there's a balance to strike between wasting your time and taking the high road. But that's maybe for another day. Well, I think maybe we'll get into this. In the future, perhaps with a caller, if if a caller is actually having this particular issue, we might bounce. Yeah, there's
1: there's absolutely a time where where you're going to call it and be like, oh, never mind.
0: So here's a way that you can identify whether or not they're serious is don't allow whatever it is you have to offer, whatever culture you're trying to spread. Don't allow this to be disclosed in a single meeting. Ask them, are they willing to set up a regular meeting with you? A cadence at their comfort, weekly, monthly, whatever they want, and say, are you willing to sit with me multiple times so that I can get to the bottom of what you think your problems are? You share with me everything that you feel comfortable sharing. I will opine on those issues or what you're doing well or what I think you could improve. I will simultaneously share the ways that I've handled some of those same issues or my own issues that you haven't handled yet or whatever, right? Come up with a series of meetings. And if they are unwilling to do that, they want a cheat code. Yeah. This is where I'm going to (laughs) say, I'm going (laughs) to, this is my, my one F bomb. Tell them to fuck off. If they're not willing to do a series, probably don't do that in the office. Yeah. No, in in, in reality, figuratively, But dismiss yourself. Find a way to diplomatically say, "You know what? It sounds like you're doing the best you can. I don't really know what I have to offer you," and allow them to walk away. And this is the thing where Josh would probably say, "Well, there's probably a couple move, couple more efforts you could make," which I'm not going to say I disagree with. It's
1: it's it's your own personalities. Here's the analogy for me, and and we've experienced this whether whether you're a manager or not a manager, you've experienced this. We do something like. Strengths Finder or a disc assessment mm-hmm. or Myers Briggs or some training on DEI or uh, pick your poison. It's a one shot. Hey, look, there's a consultant. None of us know them. Here's a piece of information. We're in there for two hours the afternoon. If you're lucky, maybe it's an all day training and you get your one or two things and then you take it back and then you run into your first obstacle and you're like, what do I do now?
0: Yeah, this training didn't address this particular obstacle. So we
1: actually had an instance once where Max was looking to do some consulting and it was going to be essentially around strengths. That's what they wanted to do. And we have a lot of experience with that, how they interact, how a team can build and layer in together and complement one another. And they literally wanted somebody to come in and spend two or three hours and do a drop and say, here's your strengths and here's your and weaknesses, which a whole different podcast episode. There are no weaknesses. They are strengths.
0: It's just where they fall in in your level. Totally disagree. There are definitely weaknesses. But again, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can waste your time and focus on those, which I don't (laughs) recommend.
0: No, no, no. no, no. I'm not saying you should focus on them. Yeah. I'm saying you should acknowledge them to say there are no weaknesses. is Yeah. Well, in balconies and basements,
1: even even with your strengths, they can, you know, harmony can be a double edged sword. I can go back to trying to help this person way too many times to where it really is. Maybe even detrimental to me or a waste of time. This whole idea was they wanted a one and done. There is no one and done when you are building a culture. It takes work and it takes constant work and it is an evolution. And I think the best thing that you've said in the podcast today is that you came into a culture that was strong and it was constantly finding new ways to grow and streamline and communicate better. Uh, That was where we were at. We were in that growth mindset together of We want to take this to a completely
0: an unheard of
1: level, an unheard of level. And, uh, and it works and it's not difficult, but it takes time and it takes diligence. You have to, you have to do it daily.
0: It's like hygiene. Yeah. You don't brush your teeth once and then assume your teeth are never going to fall out. You got to brush them all the time. (laughs) So I hear there's a bonus reason for why one should, in my estimation, and I'm gonna guess yours as well, share the wealth. If you have a culture and it's working and it's getting stronger all the time and the performance reflects it, and you have an environment that you enjoy working in and all of your team enjoys working in it and everybody feels good and loyal, there's an extra reason to share with somebody who comes along and says, How are you doing what you're doing? Especially if they're a peer. Mentoring a peer is next level experience. So let's call it, just for the sake of ease of vocabulary, let's say you're a supervisor and the next level above you is manager. For a long time in our world, that was true. So Josh was a supervisor. I was a manager. Josh mentoring another supervisor was manager experience. So if should he ever apply to go be a manager and have teams of his own and they go, what experience do you have? Most of the time, if you don't have quote unquote manager experience, well, you don't have what we need to fulfill the role requirements. It's my
1: favorite thing when you, when you go to apply for a job and it's managing managers, for instance, and they're like, you know, you need to have at least two years of managing management level employees. Well, how do you get that?
0: How do you get that? If you can't get the job, it's a requisite to get it.
1: (laughs) And so That's, that's what we're talking about here and doing the same thing for your
0: people with those leadership
1: experiences.
0: So if you need an extra bonus reason to, to spread the wealth, this is an extra bonus reason. That's just something in there in there for you. But like all of our concepts, it also benefits the community. It's the health of the tribe. If you can mentor a peer and help them get better at something, then they are setting themselves up to be able to answer those questions in an interview. Have you ever managed, have you ever managed before? Yes, I have technically managed. I was not a manager by title, but I managed because there were supervisors that were coming to me to learn, to get educated, to get help, and I helped them. So this can also happen if you put yourself uh, on a task force, um, a committee. These are all words that, again, if you're in a big corporate company, these words are probably making you cringe. A focus group. A focus group. There's, You, you do it. That's the, that's the answer. Do it, go forth and do those things and find ways to set yourself apart and have something to offer the group for two reasons, at least two reasons. Number one, so that the thing that you're a part of is the best that it can possibly be. And two, the more selfish reason is so that you get experience managing managers and that will add to your resume. It will give you stories to draw from when you are getting interviewed. Why should we hire you for this leadership job that is above your current level? You'll have experiences to speak to.
1: I don't know if he coined the phrase, but it's where I've heard it several times. Simon Sinek will use the phrase uh, rising tide
0: raises all ships. No, he definitely did not coin that. But yeah, Yeah. he uses it a lot. Uh,
1: It's a it's a fantastic thing. If if you're looking at your own team, sharing that knowledge downward to them, raises all of them up. They're performing at a higher level. Obviously, that's going to raise you up because by proxy,
0: if your team is doing well, you're doing well. To sum up, side A, genuine interest, spread the love. There are multiple reasons for this. Plenty of success to go around. It will push you to get better, and you will spread good culture. Side B, they're not actually genuinely interested. If you follow Josh's doctrine, you will do your best to see if you can turn them into side A. If you find that you have found your threshold for that, sever ties, If you want to try to turn them, one of the things that you can do is encourage a series of meetings. Do not allow this, you know, do not allow them to continue to be under the impression that there is a cheat code because there isn't. It takes work.
1: Well, uh, remember when you're doing all of this, if you're not having any fun, you're doing it wrong.